everybody. So tonight at the end of Shavuot, um, I would like to start studying together with you a book by Rabbi Ashlan, Rabbi Yuda Ashlan, who wrote the commentary on the Zohar. He wrote a book called The Gift of the Bible. And the book is basically made up of 12 essays. It's 12 essays that make up the explanation of the giving of the Torah, and we're gonna, we're gonna delve into it together. So there's a famous saying by Rabbi Akiva, who was a great sage, and a lot of you are familiar with this saying. The saying is, you shall love your friend as yourself. And Rabbi Akiva said, which means in translation, this is a great inclusive principle of the Torah. So we're gonna talk a little bit, Rav Ashlag goes into many steps of explaining the gift of the Torah and what does the Torah mean for us. So first of all, this saying of Rabbi Akiva and the sages really needs an explanation because the word principle, klal, it implies that all of the details of the Torah when coming together create one principle. Now, there are 613 precepts, 613 mitzvot in the Torah. And we find that when Rabbi Akiva says, love your friend as yourself, it's an inclusive principle of the Torah. What does that mean? It means that the sum of all of the mitzvot of the Torah, the all other 612 mitzvot of the Torah, are comprised of this one thing, which is love your friend as yourself. And you have to wonder, I mean, it, it, make, it can make sense in the terms of the way that we treat each other. But if we know a little bit about the mitzvot of the Torah, there's also the mitzvot between us and the Creator. So how is it possible that if this concept of loving your neighbor as yourself, which is between you and a fellow man, how could that include the rest of the mitzvot that go very much detail into the love of us between us and the Creator. And if we even want to go deeper into understanding these, these words, there's another example of one of the great sages by the name of Hillel. And Hillel was a great sage, and one day there was a convert that came to him and said, can you please explain to me all of the Torah standing on one foot? Meaning, I want to know now what the whole Torah is about. And what did Hillel say? He said, don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you which really goes back to love your neighbor as, your, as yourself. So this also is implying that the 612 mitzvot of the Torah is as if it's all there just for the mitzvah of love your friend as yourself. Because the entire purpose, what does Hillel say? The rest is commentary. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. And the rest is commentary. The rest of the Torah is commentary. So this is implying that the 612 mitzvot that exist are only there to support this one idea of love your neighbor as yourself. And Rav Ashlag goes on to say, before we go into this concept, we have to really understand what does love your friend as yourself mean? Because as yourself, as yourself implies that you have to love your friend as much as you love yourself and not one bit less. Meaning that I always have to be ready 
to fulfill the needs of everyone else around me. And think about it. I mean, most of us during the day don't even have time or have enough to fulfill our own needs. How in the world are we going to go around fulfilling everybody else's needs? And, you know, there's a thing in the Torah that says that there's no exaggeration in the Torah. There's no adding or subtracting from the Torah. So if there's something written, it means that there's a reason that it's there. And if that's not enough, there's also a, a concept in the Torah of loving other people. What does it mean? There are many, many different laws of, uh, if you read it in the Torah and in, in different uh, uh, explanations, there's a, a whole set of laws on servants. And it says that if you have a mattress to sleep on, and in those days they had servants, and your servant doesn't have a mattress, you need to give the mattress to them because that's fulfilling the love thy neighbor as thyself. So it's not, it's not just a simple love thy neighbor as thyself. It, it becomes very deep and very stringent. So first of all, we have to understand why, why is the Torah giving us this concept? And then even furthermore, Rav Ashla goes into, we need to understand why was the Torah given to the Jewish people and not simultaneously to everyone else in the world? And is this because of nationality? Is it because the creator all of a sudden decided that the Jews were the ones to receive it? I mean, it's kind of weird to under to think that, wait, did the creator now come down to the world and start negotiating with the peoples of the world saying, do you want my Torah? No. So how do we understand this? And not just that, it says that we were God's chosen people. What does that mean? It means that, and also it's, it's kind of weird because it says that we were God's chosen people, yet nobody else wanted the Torah. So it's kind of like a contradiction. And what we understand is that the essence of the Torah and the mitzvot that were given to us, as well as what we were, what was expected from receiving the Torah and the mitzvot on the, level, on the level that we've learned from the sages is that the purpose of the creation was that we will understand everything. Now, let, let's, let's take a step back. Let's go back before we go forward. So first of all, we have the two, the two very similar concepts. The two concepts are love thy neighbor as thyself, which is the biggest concept of the Torah. And the second one is do not unto others what you don't want done to yourself. So Rav Ashlag is starting with that principle of, first of all, before we even understand the giving of the Torah and we understand the mitzvot and why we have them, we have this concept of love thy neighbor as thyself, which basically is the root and the heart of the whole Torah. This is what Rav Ashlag brings to us first. After that, the second point, Rav Ashlag is going into before we can even understand what this actually means, we need to understand the giving of the Torah. We need to go back to the beginning and understand the giving of the Torah. So we have the precept of loving thy neighbor as thyself. And if we really dig deep 
And we understand that it's not just a simple concept. It's not just, oh, I love you and I love you. No, there are actual rules on how to take care of each other. That's the first concept. Then we go back to the beginning of, we have to understand why was the Torah given to us in the first place? And why wasn't it given to everybody? Is it because nobody else wanted it? Is it because nobody else was willing to accept it? Because the creator offered the Torah, it says, to every nation and tongue, and they did not accept it. But how do we actually understand this? Because why are we called God's chosen people? Why were we chosen? If no other nation wanted the Torah, and not just that, these things, again, are contradictory to each other. Either we're God's chosen people or nobody else wanted it. You can't be chosen if nobody else wanted it. And did actual did the creator actually come down and start negotiating with people? Do you want this? Or did the, the angels or the prophets come down and say, no, of course not. So when we understand the essence of the Torah and the mitzvot that were given to us and everything that is expected from us, then we can understand that the purpose of the creation was so that we will understand everything because it's, it's evident that there's no action without a purpose. Nobody in this world besides maybe fools or babies do anything without a purpose. Whatever you do, you wake up in the morning, you get dressed, you have a purpose. You want to get dressed, you want to go to work or to the gym, or you don't just wake up in the morning, la la la, I have no purpose. No. So we can't have a doubt that the creator, who is really beyond our understanding and is so high up, that the creator himself would actually do any action, great or small, without a purpose, right? So we've learned that the world was only created for one reason, and here it is, for the Torah and mitzvot. What does this mean? The early sages explained that from the time of creation, the intention of the creator has been to inform or to show the creation, us, his godliness. And the knowledge of his godliness is transmitted to us through all of the gifts that we receive. And we receive many, many gifts in our lives. Just being able to wake up in the morning, just being able to breathe, just being able to say hello, to appreciate everyone around us. Those are all gifts. Those are things that we take for granted. I mean, we wake up in the morning, we're healthy, we can get up on our two feet, we can go to the bathroom. Most of us just take that for granted. But actually, those are gifts from the creator. And by receiving these gifts, by receiving all of these um, fulfillments, we are, are able to be elevated through the true recognition of understanding that even though we might be on a low level as creatures, and we'll talk about that soon, we become the messengers or the chariots of you, if you want to say, of the creator. And we cleave to him every time we go a little bit higher, every time we appreciate a little more, every time we see good in each other, every time we do that, we're able to go onto another level and go up and up and grow. Now, there's something 
called cleaving, dvekut. And what is dvekut? Dvekut means that if I am able to rise and go higher and higher in my understanding of the Creator, I'm able to go higher and higher in my appreciation of all of the gifts that I receive from the Creator, eventually I'll get to a place called Vikut. Vikut means cleaving. Now, how do you cleave as an individual? We are, let's say, you know, in the big scheme of things, we're not so high up. We're created by the Creator. We have our, our faults, we have, we have things that are not so high. So every time that we see the gifts that we receive from the Creator, and every time we try and become more like the Creator, and we'll go into this in a minute, we get to a place called Vikut. And this is a perfection that is in the word Vikut, which means to cleave. Now, a lot of times this word is used in such a common way that people kind of lost its meaning. But if you think about this, if you think about the word for a minute, you'll be amazed by actually what it means. Because if you imagine the concept of godliness, if you imagine the concept of the creator, and you understand where we are in the scheme of things as lowly creatures, we're not so elevated, then we'll understand the magnitude of the ability to cleave to the creator as we are. And in order to do that, we have to consider why were we created from the beginning? What is the concept of the purpose of creation? And from this, if we understand that by applying the mitzvot of the Torah, it is actually the entire purpose of the creation. It's for all of us to be able to evolve and to elevate higher and higher until we totally cleave to the creator. So again, I want to take this slow. I want to go back. I want to repeat because actually this is a very, very deep study. It might sound simple, but it really isn't. Rav Ashlag takes the time to explain every little step. So let's go back again. And I'm going to go back a lot because it's really important. I want to be able to go through all of the articles in this series and really understand the gift of the Bible that was a gift from Rav Ashlag. So let's go back. We have the concept of love thy neighbor as thyself by Rabbi Akiva. And we have the concept of don't do to others what you don't want done to you from Hillel, which basically Hillel said, if you want to know what the Torah is about to this man on one foot, don't do to others what you don't want to do to what you don't want to have done to you. And everything else is commentary in the Torah. So we have 613 mitzvot in the Torah. And what basically we can understand from what's written is that all of the mitzvot in the Torah are there to help us reach one thing, one purpose, love thy neighbor as thyself. And what does love thy neighbor as thyself mean? If we go into it a little bit deeper, we should be able to fulfill each and every other person's need around us the same as we want to fulfill our own needs. And not just that, there's a whole commentary in the Gemara of how to treat other people, how to treat servants, how to, how to actually do the act of love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the beginning. Then Rav Ashlag goes into saying, okay, if we want to really understand that, 
Then we have to understand first, why, why us? Why did we receive the Torah? And what does it mean that we received the Torah? And what, what was the purpose of receiving the Torah? So we received the Torah on Al Sinai. And if you observe the holiday of Shavuot, you understand about Al Sinai. We received the Torah on Al Sinai. And we said we're willing to do and to listen. First we'll do and then we'll listen. We were willing to be at that level of accepting the Torah and the mitzvot. Okay, now, what exactly does that mean, accepting the Torah and the mitzvot? And why do we even need to do the Torah and the mitzvot? So then the Rav Ashla goes into this concept of dvekut. What does it mean? The Torah was given to us. We said we will do and we will listen. Then it's obvious that in order to understand everything, we have to understand the Torah and the mitzvot. And what does it mean? It means that from the time of creation, the intention of the creator had been to show the creation his godliness. How does the creator show us his godliness? Through the Torah and the mitzvot. By receiving all of the gifts that we receive from the creator, we are able to get closer to the creator. Now, um, by receiving all of the gifts, we are elevated because we can recognize the gifts that we receive from the creator, which is to become actually the chariots, the messengers of understanding the creator and cleaving to him. And what is cleaving? What does that mean? Cleaving is be, being able to reach that level of appreciation and understanding who the creator is. And that's almost impossible for us. That's almost impossible for us. How, how can we do that? Because in comparison to the creator, who are we? Who are we? Through the acts of the Torah and the mitzvot, every little act, every little mitzvah is there as a chariot to bring us closer to cleaving to the creator. So the mitzvot are actually the tools that can bring us closer to the creator. So far, so good. Now, the sages in the Zohar stopped and asked, why were we not created with all of this loftiness or all of this basically growth right away that we need to cleave to the creator in the first place? And what was his purpose in putting us through all this struggle and effort of the creation and of the Torah and its, and its mitzvot? Like, why, why weren't we just created like the creator? Why were we created on a lower level, to say? Why do we have to go through all of this? Why weren't we just created in the first place? We have dvekut, we understand who the creator is, we don't need all these Torah and mitzvot. Why were we created like that? Because this means that whoever... Okay, let's go back a minute. The question was answered like this. He who eats of the food of another is afraid to look at it at his face. What does that mean? It means that whoever eats and gets pleasure and enjoys from the actions of another is afraid to look at the other's face because he becomes ashamed until he loses his human dignity. Let's go a little deeper. 
there's no shortcomings that can come from the creator. Everything was perfect in the creator. The creator though has given us space where we can earn for ourselves the desire to cleave to the creator, the desire for Dvikut. Now, Ravashla goes into this a little bit deeper and he brings here an, an, an analogy of a rich man who found a man in a marketplace and he fed him and he gave him you know, something to drink and he gave him silver and gold and every day he went to him and he said, okay, what do you need today? And he gave it to him and day after day, he gave him what he needed. And then one day the rich man asked him, you know, tell me, are you, are you fulfilled? Do you have everything you want? And the man looked at him and said, you know, I don't have everything I want. Actually, it would have been wonderful if I could have gotten all of these things that you gave me by earning it myself. And the man said to him, you know what? If that's true, then nobody else can fulfill your wishes. Because it's only natural that even if on one hand we get all of these gifts and we taste all of these things, but on the other hand, if we didn't earn it, we become ashamed. And it's hard for us to be embarrassed. You know, if someone takes you to dinner every single night and pays for you every single night, at some point you're not going to feel comfortable because you want to do it too. Because the law of nature is that a person who receives will always feel some kind of shame and impatience when he receives something for free, a gift that he doesn't actually work for. You know, he receives charity or he receives pity. At some point we become embarrassed. We don't like it. We much would rather be the giver than the receiver, most of us. And from this, we understand another thing, that there's no one in the world who can completely fulfill the desire of another person. Because in the end, you can't give someone else a sense of feeling of, I, I did this on my own, which actually is, is necessary to achieve the desire that we want. The desires that we want, we can't look for someone else to fulfill our desires. We need to be able to fulfill that on our own. And this is where truly the creator created this space for us. So why weren't Rav Ashlag and, and the Zohar is asking, you know, why weren't we created with dvekut, with cleavage already? Why is it that we have to work for it? And the, the first answer that's given here is because if we don't work for something, we feel embarrassed. It's our law of nature. It's in our human nature to want to be the giver and not the receiver. So this is the reason why the creator planned things so that we have to struggle and we have to work through the Torah and the mitzvot in order to achieve our, our being able to grow spiritually, to go through all those levels so that we can receive the pleasure from the creator, so that we can actually receive the gifts that we're getting in our lives. Because if we don't work for the gifts, and again, this is, the articles of the giving of the Torah. So remember, behind everything that we're talking about now, we're talking about one goal, the Torah and the mitzvot, the precepts. 
And so the goodness that we receive every single day from the creator, if we want to not feel embarrassed about receiving them, the creator gave us the tools of the Torah and mitzvot. And through that, we're able to climb to cleaving to the creator and earning the things that we do. And then we truly feel that it's ours because without that, we don't feel fulfilled. Now imagine, you know, like going to work every day and no matter what you do, you still get paid. You sit there, you know, you don't do anything. You still get paid. At some point, it's not going to be fulfilling. At some point, it's not going to be, we're going to feel very uncomfortable with it. You know, we might enjoy it a month, two months, three months, but at some point we want to feel fulfilled. We want to do more. So now we need to think about the, the origin. Where does this natural law come from? Why is it, why is it that we feel shame or impatience or not fulfilled when we receive from somebody else, when we receive charity or we receive pity or we receive, we don't do things on our, where does this come from? Why is it a natural law? What, what's the natural thing about it? And we can learn from this law if we look at nature, the nature of every branch is close and equal to that of its root. And all things concerning the root also apply to the branch. And the branch loves them and desires them and derives its, use, its usefulness from them. And the opposite, there are those things that do not apply to the root that the branch also stays away from and can't tolerate and is also damaged by them. And this law applies to every root and branch without exception. What does this mean? It means that if you just go to the tree, there's the root of the tree and the branches. The branches are the same as the root of the tree. The branch that comes from the tree isn't going to be something different than the root. And whatever the branch enjoys, whatever the root enjoys, the branch enjoys. Whatever the root doesn't like, the branch doesn't like. So they're almost one and the same. And this is giving us the opening to understand that the, where all of our pleasures and all of our suffering comes from. Because the creator, basically, is the root of all of the creations. And if he, the creator created everything, and so all the things that were created are included in the creation and come from him directly. And so the things that exist in the creator are the things that exist in us that we enjoy. And our, because our nature is so close to that of the creator. And on the other side, all the things that don't exist in the creator are the things that we are not drawn to. And we go, they're, they're the things that go against who we are and that we don't we don't enjoy, we don't tolerate. Now, what does that mean? Why do you think we love rest and we hate to move? Because really, there is no reason for a person to move unless they receive something from it. You're not gonna get out of bed in the morning unless there's a reason for you to get out of bed. But because our root, because the creator doesn't have motion, we are drawn to rest and no motion. So it's against our nature and we don't like it. 
in the same way that we love wisdom and we love bravery and we love wealth. Why? Because that's what exists in the creator. We don't like hate. Nobody likes to hate. We don't like weakness. We don't like poverty because those are things that don't exist in the creator. They don't exist in our root. So as nature, we reject those things. We don't like those things. And this is the reason for our feelings of shame and impatience when we receive charity from other people. And charity doesn't just mean money. It can mean that someone does something for us every single day and enables us. And so at some point, we're going to resent them. The creator has no aspect of receiving benefit from others. There's no aspect of receiving in the creator. That's why we, as humans, like to give instead of receive. Because who can the creator receive from? The creator is the root of everything. And since this concept of receiving doesn't apply to our root, which is the creator, we don't like it. On the other hand, we feel happy and comfort and, and enjoy when we share with others, since that is the root of who we are. That's the creator. The giving and the loving and the nurturing and the sharing. We love that. That's the root of the creator. Now, now that we see this, Rav Ashlag is saying, we actually opened to the purpose of creation, which was to cleave to the creator, Dvekut, in its true nature. And this whole concept of cleaving is, can can happen through applying ourselves to the Torah and the mitzvot. And no more or nor, le nor less than how the branches become an affinity with their root, we also have the affinity of becoming like the creator when we transform ourselves to the giving and sharing aspect. We feel pleasure and anything that happens to us that is not found in our root, we feel suffering and intolerable pain. That is the natural law of how we uh, exist in the universe. So that's the beginning of what Rav Ashok is explaining. And I want to go back and, and, and explain it again. Branch and root. Everything that exists in the root of a tree exists in the branch of a tree. And in this analogy, the root, of course, is the creator and we're the branches. So everything that the creator is and exists in the creator is what exists in us. Everything that does not exist in the creator are things that we despise. The creator is all giving, all sharing. We, as human beings, like to share. We innately don't like to receive. As much as we like to be pampered and we like people to take care of us, up to a point. You know, we can enjoy a spa day for a day, but how many of us would actually enjoy going to the spa and being taken care of every single day? I doubt it. Because we are, in our nature, 
givers. Why are we in our nature givers? Because the creator is all giving. So, going back, we have the giving of the Torah. We, as the Jewish nation, accepted the Torah as we will do and we will listen. We, we received the mitzvot and the Torah in order to use them as tools to achieve cleaving to the Creator. The goal is the cleaving. And what is cleaving? Cleaving is to be able to become in an affinity with the Creator. So now we are able to reach the affinity of the form how, and it sounds simple, but it's not that simple. How? Through the Torah and Mitzvot. So that's where we are now with Avashlag. Let's go on. So there's a question that comes up because now, now we've established that the whole reason for the Torah mitzvot is to achieve cleaving and the basis of the Torah mitzvot is love thy neighbor as thyself. So now there's a question and the sages asked, if that's true, why does God care? Because there's a whole section in the Torah that speaks about kosher animals and slaughtering. So the question is, why does God care whether we slaughter from the neck or from the back of the neck. Because after all, if the mitzvot of the Torah were only given to help mankind refine himself and achieve cleavage, then what is this thing about where in the animal do you cut the neck? And the meaning of this is that we are here to refine our body, which is the purpose of the fulfillment of the Torah and all of the mitzvot, because when a person is born, think about it, it's kind of like an animal. When a person is born, he's at the utmost level of desire to receive for the self alone and filthiness, meaning there's much more self-involvement and selfish love and everything is centered around him when he's a baby, right? Babies can't do anything for themselves. They can't eat, they can't go to the bathroom, they can't do anything. Everything is about feeding the baby and changing the baby and everything. Now, he is, as a baby, as far from the root of the creator as possible. Why? Because the root only shares, the creator only shares without a thought of receiving. So the newborn is in a total state of receiving for himself without a single thought of sharing with other people. And so he's at the lowest point in our human world. The more a child grows, the more he receives a little bit more of sharing with others. You know, what are the first lessons we teach our children? Share your toys. You need to share. So slowly, slowly, a human being in his environment learns how to share and how to, to be dependent on the values of the environment. And he's taught to fulfill the Torah, to fulfill the mitzvot, because only through these can a person actually grow. And we'll get to that also. Because the reward he's taught is in this world and in the world to come. Now, there's a concept, and this is a very deep concept, that's called not for its own sake. So there are two concepts, for its sake and not for its own sake. What does that mean? There's a concept that if we 
do the mitzvot and we study the Torah, the ultimate, ultimate level of doing that, and it's, it's a very high level, is to do it only to bring pleasure to the Creator. And that concept is called for its sake. The level that most of us are on is the level of doing Torah and mitzvot so that we can be, we can reach cleavage or we can be rewarded in this world, which is what we teach our children. If you, you know, if you do the Torah and mitzvot, you'll have, you'll be rewarded here and you'll be rewarded in the world to come. That's called not for its own sake. Because it's, so again, for its sake and not for its sake. What does that mean? Again, for its sake means that we do all of the Torah and mitzvot just to fulfill, just for the creator, just to make the creator happy. We're not there. Most of us are not there. We are on the level of not for its own sake because it's impossible to make a child accustomed to doing Torah and mitzvot any other way. You have to explain to the child that you're going to get a reward if you start studying Torah and if you start doing mitzvot, you will be rewarded. You'll become a better person. You'll have more friends. This is how we teach the Torah in the beginning. As he grows up, he's shown how to apply himself to the Torah, to the mitzvot for its own sake. And that's going through studying and understanding. And it means that he's only going to give pleasure to the creator. And as, and as much as he can do, he does it for the pleasure of the creator. And it says that out of applying the Torah, not for its own sake, one comes eventually to do it for its sake. Meaning that studying Torah and applying the precepts in, in your life should be for the sole intent of giving pleasure to the creator and not for our selfish love. That's the ultimate goal in, in being able to study the Torah and doing the mitzvot. But of course, we start on our own level. I mean, I can speak for myself. I don't think all day of doing the mitzvot of, of the holidays and Shabbat because I want to give pleasure to the creator. I'm not there. But I do understand that it is a way for me to get closer to the creator. And I do understand that. And again, we have to remind ourselves every day that the Torah mitzvot were only there to help us get closer to the creator and to help us get closer to love thy neighbor as thyself. So the creator knew that the powers that exist in the Torah and the mitzvot, when we apply them to our life and they're done for its own sake, the, the creator said, I created evil impulse and I created the Torah as its remedy. What does that mean? That we find that if a person continues to develop and to move up through levels of, of spirituality and of studying the Torah and of studying the mitzvot, he loses the selfish spark. Because it's impossible if you become closer to the greater, you become less and less selfish. And all of the mitzvot in, in our body are uplifted. And everything that we do is only for the benefit of others. That means that even the bare necessities that we need to receive are channeled through the giving to others. That's one of the highest levels that we can get to. That 
the, that's the reason that the creator, that it says that the creator said, I created the evil impulse and I created the Torah as its remedy. So every time we have a negative thought or a thought of selfishness, what is it saying here? That if we go to the Torah and mitzvot with the intention of sharing with other people, we can get rid of our negativity. And this is where it also can get tricky because people can go to the Torah and mitzvot and become religious and forget the purpose. The purpose isn't being religious. The purpose is getting closer to the creator and sharing with others because the only way we can get closer to the creator is by sharing. Why? Why did we say, why am I saying it's the only way? And I don't like saying the only, but we just studied that there's a root and there's a branch and everything that exists in the root exists in the branch. So if the root is the creator and the creator is all about giving and loving and sharing, then we innately have that in us. And everything that's not giving, loving, and sharing, if it's hating or jealousy or all those negative things, don't exist in the creator. And that's why we don't like them. So through the Torah and mitzvot is how we can get closer to getting rid of our selfish love and sharing with others and getting closer to the cleavage. Now, there's two types of mitzvot in the Torah. There's the mitzvah between man and the creator and the mitzvah between man and his fellow man. And both of them have one purpose, which is to bring us to the ultimate purpose of cleaving to the creator. Now, more than that, even the practical application of the two types of mitzvot is really the same because when a person acts for its sake, and I remind you, for its sake means that we're doing the Torah and mitzvot just for the purpose of bringing happiness to the Creator, then there's no selfish love. And that means that there's no personal benefit from it, and that there's no difference between doing the acts of love for another person and the acts of loving the Creator. Why? Because we're not expecting anything in return. The minute that you do something for someone else and you're expecting something in return, you're not doing it to get closer to the creator. You're doing it out of selfishness because you want to be recognized. And I'm not saying we all don't do it. But what I'm saying is that Rav Ashlag is saying here that is if we understand that the reason why we do things is for its own sake, to get as close to the creator as possible and bring happiness to the creator, then there really is no difference between the mitzvot between us and the creator and us and our, and, and our neighbor, our fellow man, because we're not looking for the recognition. And it's a law of nature that everything that we see, let me read it from Avashad. It is a law of nature that everything perceived by the created being to be external of himself will seem void and no part of his realm. So every action of love for others that a person does is motivated by feeling the light returning to him or having hope of getting a reward that is beneficial only to himself. What does that mean? That it's a law of nature that if we do something, we want something from it. We're not going to do anything, anything that we don't think we're going to get benefit from. So we hope from some kind of reward and we hope to get something from it. That's why these actions can't really be loving other people because we do that because we're defining the consequences. Think about it like a salary that is paid 
when you finish a job. And in any case, an action performed for a salary cannot be considered loving another. Why? Because you know you're getting something in return. But if you perform an act or you make an effort purely out of love for others, not wanting anything back, without any aspect of getting something back, without getting a reward, then it is completely about loving others and not ourselves. And that's almost impossible for us according to the law of nature. Why? Because as natural human beings, unfortunately or fortunately, we don't like doing things that we're not going to get anything from. We won't. We won't do anything that we don't benefit from. And you can say, oh, well, then why, why is there addiction? Addiction is because, yes, the person still is benefiting from it, even though it sounds terrible. And it says in the Tikkun 30, verse 10, it talks about the nations of the world saying, every act of kindness done is done for one's own benefit, meaning that every act of kindness they perform for their friends or in serving their gods, now we're talking about the other nations of the world, not Judaism and the Torah and mitzvot, any action of kindness they perform for their friends or in serving their gods is not out of love for of others, but out of selfish love. And this is because it would be against human nature, as we just said. It's not human nature to do anything that we don't benefit from. Therefore, only those who fulfill the Torah and the precepts are capable of this. By, by getting ourselves used to fulfilling the Torah and the mitzvot for the sake of giving pleasure to the Creator, we gradually separate ourselves from human nature and acquire a second nature, which is the love of others. So let's go back and talk about this for a second. What does it mean? First of all, it's not in our nature to do anything, anything. We would not lift a finger if it didn't benefit us. That's human nature. Now, it says in Tikkun Ezoal that this is true about every other nation of the world that didn't accept the Torah and mitzvot. Because the Torah and mitzvot were put there so that we can understand and we can adopt a second nature of loving others, of doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. That's what we learn from the Torah and the mitzvot. That's where we are now in this article. And this is why the sages of the Zohar excluded the nations of the world completely from the characteristic of loving others and said that every, kind, every act of kindness they perform is only for their own benefit since they have nothing to do with applying themselves to the Torah and its precepts for its own sake. If a person is not familiar with the Torah and the mitzvot, if it doesn't become part of their life, it's very hard to achieve loving others without expecting something in return. So I'm not putting anybody down. All I'm saying is that, what Rav Ashlag is saying, is that without the Torah and mitzvot, it's impossible to overcome our human nature. It's impossible to adopt a second nature of doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. That is only through the Torah and mitzvot. It's not human nature. We can't do that by ourselves. We can't wake up one day and say, I'm going to do this 
just because I don't want anything in return, because we always want something in return. If it's recognition, if it's pleasing, if it's we want someone to love us, it doesn't have to be something physical in return. It can be something untangible because that's our human nature. If we didn't have the Torah and mitzvot, without the Torah and mitzvot, it is almost impossible, if impossible, according to Tikkun Ezoal, to achieve loving others without wanting anything in return. The purpose of all worship of their gods, of these other nations, is for the sake of reward and redemption in this, in this world and in the next. There are different nations that believe in the world to come. So their reward may be the belief is not here, it's in the world to come. So we find their worship of gods to be derived from selfish love. In any case, they will never take an action of worth which will be outside the framework of their own body that will raise oneself even a hair's breadth above the ground of human nature. Meaning that with the Torah, without the Torah and mitzvot, no one will raise a finger to do anything beyond their human nature. Because it's human, that's why it's called human nature, because it's human nature. How do we go above human nature, Rav Ashlag is saying? Through the Torah and mitzvot. That's how we go above human nature. Now, we can see actually that there's no difference between the two types of mitzvot that we were talking about in terms of how we apply ourselves to it. Because everything comes down to doing it for its own sake. And even in the, in the practical application of the Torah, because it, let, let me read from Rav Ashlag and then we'll, we'll explain it, is a necessity that before one is rewarded, all of one's actions towards others, whether towards the creator or towards other people, are felt to be empty and unperceivable. However, through great effort, one can uplift oneself gradually and attain, and attain a second nature, as mentioned above. And then one immediately attains the ultimate goal, which is cleaving to the creator. So what does this mean? Again, it goes back to, it seems like doing something without getting a reward is impossible, even if it's doing the mitzvot that are between us and the creator. But if we remember, what is the ultimate goal? What do we actually want? What we actually want is cleaving to the creator. That's our goal. So with everything that we do, with everything that we do for others, with the, the, everything that we do in the mitzvot and everything that we do studying the Torah, we need to remind ourselves, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for a reward? Because I want something back? Because I want someone's love? Or because I want recognition? Or because I want to be uh, appreciated? Or am I doing this for the ultimate goal of cleaving to the creator? That's the ultimate goal. And that's what we can put in our mind and remind ourselves every day. So because this is our goal, the logic dictates, and I'm reading from Avashlan, that the part of the Torah concerning man and his fellow man is more capable of bringing man to his desired goal. And since the fulfillment of the precepts between man and the creator is predetermined and specific, and there's no feedback in it, and one accustoms oneself to them easily, anything which is done out of habit is no longer capable of bringing any benefit as it is well known. This is not true 
of the precepts concerning man and his fellow man, which are not predetermined or specific. They are very demanding wherever one turns, and therefore their capability is more assured and it is easier and closer to reach the goal through them. What does this mean? It means that logically, the part of the Torah and the mitzvot that are between man and his fellow man are more, uh, are not easier, but are the way to go if we want to reach the goal of cleavage. Why? First of all, the mitzvot between us and the creator are between us and the creator. So first of all, who's going to tell us what we're doing? Who's going to tell us if we're doing it right? Who's going to tell us what, what, what's your gauge? What is the creator going to come down and tell you you're not doing this right? Does the creator need the mitzvot? No. That's why we can become uh, creatures of habit when it comes to doing mitzvot, when it comes to fulfilling Shabbat and keeping kosher, it becomes robotic because no one is there to tell me if I'm doing something wrong. But when it comes down to doing the mitzvot between us and other people, that's where we are accountable. That's where we can see what we're doing right or wrong. That's where wherever you turn, you need to do something. And that's where we can achieve our goal because it's very demanding. That's where love thy neighbor comes in. And that is where we will be held accountable. That's where someone can say, hey, you hurt me or you embarrassed me or you don't care about me. In that moment, if we fall into pleasing, if we fall into not remembering why we're doing this, why are we doing the mitzvot of, of, of love thy neighbor as thyself? It's not for the reward. It's for the ultimate goal of cleaving to the creator. How do we cleave to the creator? How do we love the creator? By learning how to love each other. By learning how to take care of each other. By concerning ourselves with the other person. And that's where it becomes very specific. That's where we can be held accountable. So now we can understand what Hillel was actually saying to the convert, where he was saying, love your friend as yourself, and the rest is commentary. The rest of the mitzvot are commentary. What does that mean? That even the mitzvot concerning man and the creator are included in loving thy neighbor as thyself. Because the ultimate goal of all of the Torah and its and his mitzvot are that we purify ourselves, we purify our bodies, so that we can become closer to the creator. And how do we do that? Love your neighbor as yourself, which is the ultimate goal of the Torah. And after that, we can reach cleaving. We can reach dvekut to the creator. So really, there's no difference between the love of the creator and the love of others. Because it's human nature, again, to think that everything outside of ourselves doesn't exist or is not real and there's no reason for it. And since this convert asked Hillel to the elder to explain the essence of the Torah in a way that his goal would be easier for him to achieve, that's why Hillel said love of others is the easiest way to achieve your goal. Because if your goal is to get closer to the creator, understand that if you want to get closer to the creator, love the other person. Because that is the mechanism. Those are the mitzvot that have a direct feedback. You can't make mistakes there. You can make mistakes between 
yourself and the Creator. You can make mistakes in the mitzvot that you keep. You can make mistakes in, in keeping kosher or keeping Shabbat. You can make mistakes. And no one really will hold you accountable. It's not like the lightning is going to come down and do something to you if you eat not kosher. Because that's between you and the Creator. But where you can be held accountable and where there's a direct feedback is between you and another person. Between us and our family, our friends, our, the people in, in our world. And that's why Hillel said to the convert, if you really want to know what the Torah is about and you really want to achieve the goal of cleaving to the Creator, go and have relationships with people. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to read now from Avashlag. In this we find an opening to understand how the Torah demands something of us that we cannot fulfill, meaning this is the reason this is now a whole other topic. This is the reason why the Torah was not given to our holy forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but was delayed until the exodus from Egypt. Only when they became a complete nation of 600,000 men over the age of 20, every member of the nation was asked if he agreed to this exalted work. And only when every single person in the nation agreed with all his heart and soul and said, we will do and we will listen, only then was it possible to fulfill the principle of the entire Torah, which, which left the realm of impossibility and entered the realm of possibility. What does it mean? To love thy neighbor as thyself is not easy. And the reason why the Torah was not given, have you ever asked yourself why? Why did we have to wait so long? Why, why didn't Avram receive the Torah? Why did we have to wait until... The exodus, the exodus of Egypt to receive the Torah. Why? Because till then, there were only a very few amount of people that existed that went in this path. By the time that we left Egypt, there were 600,000 men over the age of 20 that together as one agreed to the receiving of the Torah, we will do and we will listen. And so now... It wasn't hard to get out of the, the place of love thy neighbor as thyself. When you're three people, it's hard to fulfill each other's needs. When you're 600,000 people working together as one, there's a chance. Because then, if it's 600,000 men taking their attention away from their own needs and agreeing to take away from their own activity and help and devote themselves to making the other person to, to help the other person with their lacks, to fulfill the other person, to make sure that they make it, then love your friend as yourself is clear and it's easier because there's no individual among them who had to worry about themselves. 600,000 people were ready to take care of each other. When it became that amount of people, love your, your friend as yourself, with all the conditions explained, was, was, able to be, was able to be done. Because imagine if you had 600,000 people that were, loved you, that you loved, and that they were loyal friends, and they were constantly making sure that all of each other's needs are fulfilled. It would be easy. It would be so easy to carry out love thy neighbor as thyself. So when all the members, all the people of the nation agreed to this, the Torah was immediately given to them because they were capable of fulfilling it. Before they reached the size of 600,000, 
before they became a complete nation, let alone the time of the forefathers, where there were how many people? Three, four, ten? It couldn't, it couldn't be done. Since a small number of people can't even begin to deal with the precepts concerning a man and his friend. It's impossible. If you only have three people, it is impossible to do love your friend as yourself. We need every single one of the 600,000 people that received the Torah on Mount Sinai in order to fulfill the true love thy neighbor as thyself. And there's an introduction here to the next article, which I will talk about next time, but this is what Rav Ashla goes into. Thus we can understand one of the more astounding sayings of the sages, all Israelites are responsible for one another. Kol Israel arevim ze laze. What does that mean? It doesn't. It almost doesn't make sense. Is it possible that if another person does negativity, or sins, or if you want to say transgresses, or gets angry with the Creator or with someone else, and I don't even know that person, and I've never had anything to do with them? Is it possible that I will be punished for his negativity? And there's a passage in the Torah that says, fathers shall not be killed for the sins of their children. Each person shall be killed for his own sin. So if that's true, and that's in Deuteronomy 24, 16, so how could it be said that I am responsible for the sins of a total stranger, for the negativities of a total stranger? And if that's not enough, it says, Rabbi Elazar, son of Rabbi Shimon, said, since the world is judged by the majority and the individual is judged by the majority, he who fulfills one precept causes himself and the entire world to tip the scale to the merit. And woe to him who commits one transgression, for he causes himself and the entire world to tip to the scale of demerit. As it is written, one sinner causes much good to be lost. What does this mean? that Rabbi Elazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, the author of the Zohar, is saying that the world is judged as a majority and the individual is judged by the majority. So we are all responsible for each other. And our, my action of negativity affects you. And your action of negativity affects me. And the mitzvot that I do affect you. And the mitzvot that you do affect me. And by saying this, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar, son of Rabbi Shimon, makes us responsible for the entire world. That's why it took 600,000 people. Because in his opinion, all the people in the world are responsible for one another. And each person causes either merit or demerit for the entire world. And I know that's a scary thought. But the minute that we get to the understanding that the Torah and the mitzvot are there to help us love your friend as yourself, and that we can fulfill this as an entire nation, taking responsibility for each other, that's the minute that we'll be able to get closer to the Creator. And that this is the first article of the gift of the Bible. And next time we'll go deeper into, um, into understanding the responsibility for one another. But I'd like to go back and summarize a little bit so that we can understand this lesson. First, we have love thy neighbor as thyself and don't do to others what you don't want done to yourself. That was what Rav Ashlag opened this article with. 
and the meaning of what is that? What does that actually mean? Because if we go deeper and deeper into that, we learned that it goes as far as if you have a mattress or if you have a chair and your friend doesn't have a mattress or a chair, you need to give it to them. And that's the ultimate love I neighbor as myself. When you take care of someone else before your own needs. Then there's the understanding of what is our goal? What is our purpose? What is our purpose in life? Our purpose in life is to get closer to the creator. Why? Because again, if we go back to the root and the branch, the root is the root of a tree and the branch is part of the tree. Whatever the root likes, the branch is going to like. Whatever the root doesn't like, the branch is not going to like. The root is the creator. We're the branches. So whatever exists in the creator, which is the love and the giving and the, the natural tendency of giving, and there's no receiving in the creator, that's why us as human beings like to give. We don't like to receive. It makes us uncomfortable. And that is because we're part of the creator. Now, how do we get to the goal of getting closer to the creator and reaching cleavage, dvekut, through the Torah and mitzvot? Why the Torah and mitzvot? Because as human beings, it is not in our nature to lift a finger for anybody else unless we are going to get something from it. That's our human nature. But the Torah and the mitzvot give us the opportunity of a second nature, which doesn't exist anywhere else. As humans, we can be very kind, we can be very loving, we can be very giving, but we won't do that without expecting something in return. Once we have the Torah and the mitzvot, then we can adopt that second nature of doing something for someone else without expecting a reward back. Then we have the concept of being, and we haven't gone into that yet, Rav Ashlag touches upon the concept of being responsible for one another. So understanding that the Torah and mitzvot are not a religious thing only. The Torah and mitzvot were given to us as a path, as tools to be able to get closer to the Creator, as tools to understand how to treat each other. All of the Torah is there and the mitzvot are there to help us understand how to treat each other, to help us get to a place that we can selflessly do acts for other people without expecting things in return. Because the Creator doesn't expect anything in return. Does the Creator need anything? No. The Creator is ultimate giving. And if we are branches of the Creator, like the root and the branch, then we too want to get to that place of doing things without expecting things in return. And that was the answer of why in the first place weren't we created with this cleavage? Why weren't we created with the automatic wanting to be like the creator? We were, we were created with this negative side also. And it says in the Torah, the creator created the evil impulse and the Torah as opposed to it. So we had the space to earn because as we said, in human nature, we don't like to just receive, we like to earn, we like to give. And so the creator gave us the space to earn. The creator gave us the space to be able to be givers. But in order to do that, the creator gave us the Torah and the mitzvot to reach that place. And in our next study, we will study about 
taking responsibility for each other as a nation. Because remember, we were only given the Torah after we left Egypt, many years after Avam, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because after we left Egypt, we reached the place of 600,000 men over the age of 20 that agreed as one to take responsibility for each other and love thy neighbor as thyself. Thank you and Shavuot Tov. Thank you.